The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with today's episode of Bench with Bubba, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Draft. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our new favorite app called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other people just like in your season-long league. Drafts last just for one night. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, you play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Trust me, I love playing drafts. I play golf. I play NFL, basketball. You can play um, three. Uh, you can play head-to-head, three-man, six-man. There's, there's running leagues. You win one night. It keeps going for four, five, six nights. You can play a dream team. There's all kinds of great ways to play draft, and you can join me today. Just search draft in your app store or, or play right from your computer on draft.com. And when you enter promo code SD Sports. You got to enter the promo code SD Sports. You get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money game for free just for using the promo code SD Sports when you make your first deposit. Just again, search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter the promo code SD Sports. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. back everybody to another episode of Benched with Bubba episode 86. I have a special guest on the show today. Uh, you guys know him if you paid attention to any of the big fantasy drafts going on towards the end of the year, NFBC, Tout Wars, The Works. He does a lot of work over at GuruElite.com. Uh, DFS work just came out with a minor league article. And you can find him on Twitter at RotoGut. Vlad Settler. Vlad, how we doing, man? What's up, Bubba? I'm happy to uh, finally be on your show, episode 86. So hopefully, I don't get 86 out of here and can uh, step up to the plate. <laughs> no, it's it's not a bad omen. I promise. Trust me. Um, I, I try to book my guests, you know, a month or so in advance, and I was really pumped to, to get this one lined out. So I'm looking forward to it. 
and uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. Let's uh, let's start off with some injuries and kind of how they can help. Uh, you can find replacements or the impact of a fantasy team. And one of the big ones that just happened recently is Elvis Andrus, you know, getting hit on the elbow, fractured elbow out six to eight weeks. Some say maybe longer. It's tough to tell. Um, it's tough to replace a guy that started out the way he did, played the way he did last year, the speed you drafted him for. How are you approaching the Andrus injury? It's tough. I mean, honestly, uh, a lot of it comes down to the type of league you play in, you know, 10 versus 12 versus 15. Um, but it's, it's obviously it's tough uh, to, to replace somebody like that who's essentially a fifth round pick. Uh, the thing is, and, you know, I mean, I don't believe in karma and obviously I don't I don't like people getting injured. But um, and I don't want to say it's kind of what you get for paying for somebody's career year. But I mean, it, it's just kind of obvious. I mean, Elvis Andrews, is, he's always been solid. He's been stealing bases. He hits for good average. But, you know, I mean. He's going in, was going as high as the fourth round in some spots. And so, you know, I mean, people just got to know. I mean, same thing with like a Marcelo Zuna obviously had that monster year. If you are so convinced that the guy is going to repeat exactly and hit another 35, three, you know, 310 and 110 ribbies, then you could pay that price. But for the most part, it's just not worth paying up for it. Um, so I think there are a lot of options on, on the waiver wire, just a matter of kind of looking ahead to the schedule. Yeah, no, there, there, the shortstop position is one of those where you can kind of find – Different guys, like you said, looking ahead of the schedule is a good thing. And uh, one thing I'll mention now, because it'll kind of come up a lot, is if when you follow Vlad on Twitter, he's one of the better fab people out there. He He's always kind of – him and Rob Silver have a team together. They seem to be like a week or two ahead of everybody on these things. And that's where looking ahead of the schedule is kind of what he's referring to. So um, that's a very good point that a lot of people don't look at. And, and actually, Rob's making me look bad, man. Like, I, you know, I, we, we drafted together the uh, Jonah Carey's League of Leagues with the baseball, basketball, and football. Um, so we did all right. I mean, we, we crushed the baseball league and then the other two leagues not as well. And so we ended up falling in sixth place overall. But, you know, we kind of learned to work together well. But this year, man, he's, you know, he picked up, uh, you know, Nico Goodrum for like a buck, um, you know, hoping he's going to get some bags. It was a week ahead on Yanni Chirinos where, you know, I was just kind of, little busy didn't even really know who he was he's like hey let's 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 drop minter and pick him up for a buck i'm like okay man i trust you let's do it and just reaping the benefits so hopefully we can continue that yeah speaking of trino so i I do want to credit rob and george bissell for talking about him because in rtg fbi league not to mention i got him a a week earlier and i was very happy with it i might have overbid a little bit but i'll take him for what it took um let's talk xander bogart another shortstop with an ankle injury Red Sox are saying it's not as severe as some thought it was. It's like a minor fracture, maybe out two weeks. Is this one that you just kind of fill in with, like, I hate to say, a Brock Holt from their team? Or do you try to find someone a little better than that? Uh, I guess it depends. I mean, I think for the most part, uh, you know, a guy like Dansby Dansby Swanson is not available. Um, You know, he's pretty much been picked up. But uh, before we started recording here, I took a look at some of my 12-team NFBCs. And I see Dansby there, so I'm guessing if he continues as a hot weekend, still hitting over 350, you're going to see some people scoop him up for triple digits. Um, but you know, I really like looking ahead at the schedule. There's a few, you know, a few places where somebody can go and just see in advance like who the upcoming pitchers are, and you know, really kind of look like. I think I noticed that you know the the Tampa Bay uh, Rays, for example. Uh, are facing a ton of lefties. Um, I, I guess, you know, in the first half of the week, they're getting Martin Perez, Matt Moore, and Cole Hamels. And so, you know, that hurts somebody that's looking to pick up Duda, uh, you know, for the for the weekend lefty on lefty. Won't work there. But, um, you know, looking at like Dansby, possibly like an Azrabal Cabrera, uh, believe the Mets have uh, seven games. I think there's some, they, they kind of missed that Scherzer-Strasburg. So the three uh, 
you know, Naps guys are going to get is Geo, Rourke, and Cole. And so, uh, you know, just kind of looking ahead at the schedule. At some point, a guy like Colton Wong or a guy like Devin, Devin Travis are going to heat up. You know, right now, both guys are like hitting around 100. And so I'm just kind of looking for the schedule, seeing some sign of, of life, some, some pulse in their bat, and then just kind of jumping in ahead of on, on them. A veteran shortstop that's been off to kind of a hot start, but he seems to be forgotten year after year. And if you if you play in a roto league, you only care about the season as a whole for the most part. And you look at a guy like Freddie Galvis. I know it's not a, it's not pretty, it's not sexy at San Diego, all these things. But at the end of the season, his numbers are not bad at all. Is that a guy you'd be willing to look at, or do you would you rather go to those other names you mentioned? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it's a you know week by week, and and Freddie's hot right now. I know he's hitting over three hundred. Um, he's that guy. Like when I'm uh, I'm researching for DFS, and I think for some reason yeah. last year I was looking at uh, I was looking at uh, OBP, and it was something like he was dead last in the league in OBP like two years in a row. Like the guy's really bad on getting getting on base, but. I mean, two years ago, 20 homers, 17 steals. Last year, 12 and 14. And he's a guy that's essentially undrafted. And so, um, you know, the only bad part is that batting average. He is like a 240, 250 guy. So when he's hitting 320 now, that's kind of kind of come down. But, you know, kind of kind of ride the hot streak while he goes. And that's another valid point right there is when we get to the hot cold guys, you got to remember the back of the baseball card works most of the time like that's not the go-to be all end all but like you said he's hitting 320 now he's gonna revert back to at least 260 270 probably at the best something to think about um travis d'arnaud of the new york mets out with the ucl tear and they're saying he might even have tj on this and that's just basically ends his season and i know it's not a big break because he was kind of platooning with kevin plawecki but why i wanted to just ask your opinion is the catcher's position has been kind of ugly Really, like worse yeah. than we expected this year. I know you and I were both huge on Wilson Ramos. He's been utterly disappointing at the moment. Guys like Alfaro. Do you give Ploiecki a shot? Because he actually hasn't been horrible to start the year. Yeah, I mean, he's not horrendous. Um, you know, I'm not going to try to compensate. He's like a Tucker Barnhart t- guy type. But he's just one of those guys on the waiver wire that – you know, depending on the on the upcoming matchups, may not necessarily hurt your batting average. And you're talking about your second catcher here for the most part, unless people super punted and went Darno as their first. And um, you know, it, it's always going to be gross. And so, you know, I for years I've just been sort of punting second catchers, and, and sometimes you luck on some stuff. And last year that happened with Christian Vasquez, where I just picked them up. Dude's like hitting 285. You know, can actually steal a few bases like Romuto. Uh, so sometimes you get lucky and you just stick with a guy. I think that happened with Manny Pena as well last year. But yeah, second catcher is gross. Um, I think they're probably better options than Plawicki. Um, you know, there might be still some leagues where Suzuki's still available. I think Flowers is going to be out a while. Uh, Russell Martin probably got dropped in a couple of leagues. I usually stay away from him, but you know, sometimes you can use that pop at home. Um, and even even like a buy low in a fifteen teamer on like an Alex Avila who's hitting you know oh seventy five or something like that right now. Uh, he's going to warm up at some point. Um, not going to hit 350 like he did first half last year, but I think there's some some decent options out there. No, I like that Avila call quite a bit. Um, Adam Eaton started the year off injured, and he's already injured again. This is a trend we are starting to see with him. Um, he's on the 10-day DL with a bone bruise, and those sometimes just don't go away. And at worst, it takes away most of the stolen base chances you wanted with Adam Eaton. Um, is this a guy that you just might – you can't give up on him because he was raking. But how do you handle a guy like Adam Eaton on your roster? 
Uh, I mean, there's really not much you can do. I mean, people obviously that have DL slots, you just slot them in and pick someone up. But, um, you know, other than that, NFBC, you've got a seven-man bench. Uh, you hope if you have a guy like Eaton, you don't also have, you know, Zanino waiting there as your third catcher or, you know, you're waiting for Michael Kopich to come up and all of a sudden, you know, three of your seven slots are, are, are taken up. And so it makes it tough. But, I mean, you, know, you really just can't drop a guy like that that, um, you know, when he plays and when he's healthy is just going to ball out, especially leading off for that team. While he is, uh, we've been seeing Brian Goodwin getting a lot of starts and usually leading off. Um I'm assuming 15 team at best, but is he a guy that's kind of worth picking up? Yeah, he actually came in real handy for me last year. Uh, I feel like I was kind of a week ahead on him last year. Just you know, picked him up for like two bucks. Um, by the way, I never bid a dollar. Just you know, especially in a thousand dollar bid league, there's just no reason to. I think people sometimes get lazy, throw an extra buck on there, you know, just to make sure you get someone. Um, but yeah, it worked out last year, and I think anyone that hits that's leading off has value. Uh, I think he can hurt you with uh, with batting average, but besides that, I mean, he can he, he's got a little bit of pop. He can steal some bases, and he's going to score a boatload of runs as long as he's leading off. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, hitting on what you just said there about not bidding a dollar, bidding at least two. I saw you also tweet, and if you don't want to give away your secrets, that's fine. That's but right. uh, you mentioned don't bid like zeros and fives. Bid different numbers when you're bidding. Can you kind of briefly explain your process there? Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a very uh, like a, it's, it's just sort of a like a fish move. You know, you know, you start bidding. You're like, oh, let me put in 20. Let me put in 25. And so, um, I mean, I, I guess there's no real science to it. Um, you just kind of figure out what levels you want to bid at. Am I bidding in the 20s and the 30s? Am I bidding like, you know, people like the round numbers, like a, a big closer shows up on the waiver wire or on free agency. And, you know, you know, you know, someone's bidding 251, you know, so you know, why not go the extra couple bucks? And so um, I think one of the things people don't do and it's kind of going the extra step is looking back uh, and seeing if you can find any of your league mates uh, trends. Like you see somebody always bidding with an eight at the end, you know, uh, and that's kind of the guy you're going up against a lot on a lot of bids, you know, figure out a way, you know, don't don't tip your hand, let them know and, and don't always bid a nine after but kind of like that extra step of looking and seeing what other people, if they have any, have any tells, so to speak. No, that's a great point. I remember Todd Zola talking about going into his tout wars draft. He's done research every year on how his guys do in labor and he takes that into the draft. So um, that's a good point when it comes to fab. Um, Alex Gordon, not a guy many people owned period. I don't care how deep your league is anymore, but he goes to the DL. And the reason I want to bring him up is Abraham Almonte gets called up and Paulo Orlando at least is very good against left-handed pitching. Is this a guy that, you know, in your deeper leagues registers anything for you, or is this just like, it's the Royals, let's not worry about it? Yeah, I mean, he was with the Indians last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, potentially, you know, 15-teamer, but uh, uh, he's in the lineup today, I believe, against the Angels. But, um, you know, that outfield, what you've got, like, Soler, John Jay still leading off, and – uh, you know, Paulo Orlando's getting a little bit of play too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he kind of works kind of on the older side. Nothing really special, but he could work in a 15-teamer. And last guy we'll hit on, we're not going to hit on all the injuries, but Johnny Cueto um, sprained ankle, supposed to make his next start next week. But we saw Tyler Beatty come up and make his start, and he's staying up with the team right now. Is Tyler Beatty a guy you wouldn't mind uh, giving a look, or are you just, nah? Uh, yeah, I mean, anybody that pitches in San Francisco, I'm always want to give a little bit of consideration to. But, uh, you know, I mean, he, he's mostly you, you'll see people bidding on him in 15 teamers. 
Uh, we're going to see him pitching against uh, the, the Padres on Sunday in Petco. And so, um, you know, you see a good start there. You're going to see the bid numbers go up a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if by the time bidding comes around, he's even going to be in the rotation next week because I think, you know, Quato will probably be back and there's a chance that Samarja is back as well. Yeah, that's the big point there. Samarja, he's already doing some extended spring work right now. He should be back pretty soon. Um, let's talk some minors talk. Uh, you had an article, like I said, come out and I won't give away the entire article, but I do want to hit on some names with the super. Okay. I think I, I always phrase this wrong. They don't lose. Are they gain a year of eligibility with the player April 13th? I don't believe that's the technical super two day. I could be wrong. Um, a guy like Nick Senzel with, yeah. um, Daniel Suarez going down for quite a while. Nick Senzel is on the radar, but it's kind of mixed reviews on if he's coming or not. What's your take on Senzel? And if he does come up, is he like – how? what percentage roughly would you go for him? Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess it depends, 12 versus 15. But, uh, you know, I do think he's coming up. I think the timing is perfect. Um, you know, they called up Alex Blandino uh, first. It just makes sense because they are waiting for that, you know, extra year of eligibility and, and waiting for April 13th. But, I mean, they were kind of playing him – you know, third base, second base uh, in the in the preseason. And I think they're going to be ready for him to come up. I think he kind of fits in perfectly. And, um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm ready to spend a good chunk. He's one of those guys because of his sort of, you know, all around tool set um, that I think he's going to be fantasy valuable right away. Like one of those guys like Acuna, um, not in the same ilk as Acuna, but, uh, you know, somebody that maybe gets you 15, 15 uh, if he gets called up on the 13th. No, I like that a lot. Uh, let's, let's mention Acuna. You just talked about him. Uh, this seems to many like a no-brainer for the 13th. But then one of the beat writers for the Braves comes out today and says, oh, he's struggling so bad in AAA that they just can't possibly bring him up, which makes the world go in an uproar on Twitter. Um, what's your take on this Acuna thing? Is there any way they leave him down? Because I already know you're, everybody in the world's high on him unless I'm missing something. Yeah, no. I mean, he's he's the man pretty much. Like it's mm-hmm. going to – you know, he's going to ball out. Um you know, I mean, I think even in spots, if people, uh, I mean, nobody's really dropping the guy, but, you know, if you're looking for, you know, perhaps to make a trade with somebody that's really taking to heart the fact that he's struggling right now, uh, I think could work uh, in somebody's favor. But, um, yeah, I mean, you just kind of got to ride with it. You know, you, if you drafted a guy that high, you just sort of got to, you know, roll with it. And I think he's going to ball out and have himself a good season. No, I agree. I, I don't know how they could possibly leave him down. Um, okay, this is a guy that I want to talk about. It's only fitting that on Google Docs, Franchi autocorrects to franchise, as I noticed that right now. <laughs> that's that's only, only fitting for the love he's been getting endured. But Franchi Cordero, called up by the Padres, goes deep in Coors like a bomb. Um, and he should have a path to playing time, at least for a little bit. You know, Margot's out, Myers is out. What can we expect from Franchi Cordero? Can you explain what the love is that everybody has? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, I think we saw him up for a little bit last year. I think he hit like under 230. Um, but I don't know. There's, there's something, and it, it's nothing with the body frame or anything like that. There's something Yasiel Puigish about him. There's something really exciting. I think he's going to be that guy in San Diego. I mean, you know, these guys have like, you know, signed Eric Hosmer, you know, for mm-hmm. his monster contracts, like whatever. Um, you know, they got some interesting guys there. Joey Lucchesi there, the pitcher, um, I think is good and sort of bolsters that rotation well. Um, you know, n- nice solid lefty. But, yeah, Franchi's somebody who I think I, I, I just see leading off uh, for the team, can hold it down for the rest of the year. I think he's somebody that's going to probably hurt you a little bit in, in, in batting average in the long run because he is such a pretty swinger. Um, but, again, nice little power-speed combination. 
Um, you know, when I, you know, that's another guy I, I, you know, picked him up where I could last week. Uh, crazy enough, I got outbid. Like I'm thinking like, you know, 30 or so dollars was going to be enough for him in a 15 teamer. I see him going for like 80 bucks. I'm like, man, I should have just kind of sprung for it. Uh, but in DFS, I basically pretty much played him that first day. And, you know, he, I think he went like 0 for 3 to start. And I'm like, okay, whatever. This didn't work out. And then he hits a bomb, of course. And so, yeah, the franchise, baby. I think the uh, we're starting a little uh, little thing here. I like it a lot, the franchise, because, yeah, San Diego needs a franchise. Um, <laughs> let's talk. You mentioned Joey Lucchesi when you were talking there, and he, he had an amazing start in Coors. I was very hesitant to touch any pitcher that has his first career start in Coors Field because – History shows way more often than not, it does not end well. And this guy's got a funky delivery, good, you know, three pitch arsenal. Is this, this was a big debate on Twitter actually today between GNL and some others. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on Lucchesi? Because some are all aboard and some are like, well, let's just tone it down quite a bit. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's tough. You know, all these things, they, they end up normalizing. And so, you know, it, it's going to be a, a rocky road for him like it is for, for most rookies. I don't think he's going to come out and, you know, make the all-star team and, and be the Padres representative or anything at the same time, you know, he could struggle and, and get sent down. And so uh, I think first time around the league, I think he's going to continue to crush a little bit. I think, um, you know, I don't know if you were in the same boat, but I stacked against him with uh, Coors Bats. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, oh, I think yeah. most people did. And so, um, you know, just a te- another testament to, you know, try, you know, kind of going against the grain sometime in, in some of these tournaments, but you know, it's a whole different point. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, you know, I guess we'll just see, what can you do? You, you pick them up on your team, you decide when to play them, uh, on the teams I have them on. I personally didn't start them because of the at core start. I think it's too early in the year to like kind of take those chances. And I don't think people can really kick themselves for it. You know, you see at Colorado versus Washington on the schedule, kind of want to see what the kid has first. And so, you know, so be it. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I did. I'm sitting, uh, and I wanted to see. So maybe it's a sign to come. I'm more concerned second time through teams seeing him because we've seen that so many times with young arms. How do they adjust? But we'll see. He's good. He took quite the jump from was he single A to the pros or is it double A? Yeah, he he spent he spent time between high A and double A. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one other arm I wanted to ask you about because I was huge on him. I had him in a lot of leagues. He was phenomenal. Then he got sent right down for Adam Wainwright, of all people. Uh, Jack Flaherty, and then he goes and throws a gym in his first AAA start of the year. Yep. When or when do you think we see this guy? And is he worth stashing on 12 and 15 team leagues? Or do you just if you, you just got to wait and see? Yeah, I mean, I think he's just a guy like you just got to own. You know, I mean, it, it's unfortunate for people that if they have a seven-man bench and they got a bunch of injuries and stuff and you just kind of got to make tough decisions. Um the key is you just never allow yourself to – it's kind of a side point, but just never allow yourself to be in a position to take zeros. Like if you lose a guy on a Monday, you know, and you don't have a backup – you know, third baseman, you don't have a backup third baseman, so be it. Uh, really nothing you can do about it. But like, I don't know, back to Flaherty, I mean, he, I just think he's a guy that's going to have a lot of value this year uh, pitching in St. Louis. He already – yeah. I don't know, kind of kind of cliche, but it seems kind of mature for his age, I guess you could say. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's I'm seeing a little bit more strikeout upside than I was expecting. I, I think of him more as a control guy. I think most, you know, a lot of guys pitching in St. Louis behind a good defense or you know decent defense, uh, I think are in a good spot. And so, you know, we'll see. I think Walker Bueller's is a better talent, um, but I think maybe Flaherty has more value this year. Yeah, no, I'm with you there because Bueller, they seem like they're way more serious on restricting innings this year. They want to baby him along a lot more than I think once Flaherty gets the shot, it's his shot. And that, mm-hmm. that's the difference I see. 
Uh, last guy, Willie Calhoun of the Texas Rangers. Everybody knows who he is if you're in the fantasy game. And with the Rubio door injury plus Elvis Andrus, now Jerks and Profar, that's the guy we didn't talk about. He should be picked up in a lot of leagues. Um, is Calhoun an option to be called up, or do you see them still kind of waiting around? Yeah, I wonder. I mean, you know, uh, you know, John Daniels is like one of the youngest GMs there in the league, and I, I you know, I, he, he appears to me to be a smart guy, knows what he's doing. I think they really want to work on his defense, and you know, plus Cal, Willie Calhoun's a big hacker, and if he'd come up from you know from the beginning, he'd be hitting ninth, and uh, you know, I don't know. It, it's really tough to decide. Like, you know, we can all play GM at home, but like at the end of the day you know, these guys are the ones making the decision and there must be some reason. Um, and I think the big part of it is that defense, um, to decide when it's time to call him up. And I think it'll be soon. Um, if he's one of your stashes, what can you do? Just wait. Um, and you know, he, he, when he is up and I think, you know, we're looking at this two years from now, we're talking about a guy that does really have that 40 home run potential. Um, but he's going to be, uh, a guy that, you know, a little bit of a hacker and, uh, you know, and is going to strike out. So as much as he can learn in the minors, the better for him. Yeah. And I agree. I, I was a big guy when he got sent down saying it's not because he can't hit guys. It's because he can't play defense. It's very simple. And there was a many, many people like, Oh no, this is all about the April 13th and all that. And if, no. to me, it wasn't anything about that because the Rangers are one team that have proven they don't care about that. No more Mazzara started last season when he could have been sent down. So they don't they don't worry about those things like other teams do. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about RotoWare. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it, they're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. That no other brand can compete with RotoWare in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric, no thick ink. There's over 30 different designs right now. It's just crazy, all the stuff they have coming out, and there's more and more stuff every time you turn your head. They have fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, some really cool DFS ones, but everything's great. They have men's, women's, and kids. Check them all out. Go to rotoware.com, R-O-T-O-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at rotoware. But the cool part, guys, if you use the promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. All right, let's talk about some hot, cold starter guys if you kind of want to buy, sell, hold them. Uh, a lot of this, it's it's cheaply done, as in I just looked at some of these guys with insane BABIPs because we can't all be Avisel Garcia at the end of the year. Uh-huh. So we got to just kind of realize it kind of relates to that thing you mentioned with Gallows and the batting average. Stuff's going to re- regress, but how much is too much? Um, let's start with a guy like Chris Owings. I've seen some say he could be this year's um, Chris Taylor. Uh, kind of a super utility in the infield outfield in a good lineup. He has a 478 Babbitt to start the year, and he's playing really well. But what are we expecting from Chris Owens? Is he a guy worth owning? Like, or how? Yeah, I, I know think, he's worth owning, but like, how? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, think, he absolutely is. Like, I was, he was one of my later round targets. Like, I wanted to get a lot of Diamondbacks on my team last year. Um, there's a cool article from AZ Central. Um, you can basically just, you know, go to, Chris Owings, go to Google News and you'll just see the article. And it's basically about how the whole team 
Uh, all the hitters have, have kind of, um, you know, changed their approach. Like basically Owings's approach used to be swing first, ask questions later. And now they're incorporating a lot of analytics where they're, you know, coming out, you know, looking at, you know, figuring out what type of pitches, um, you know, pitchers are throwing. Um, Dave Magadan is their hitting coach there. Um, and he's really big analytics guys. They're looking at videos. Um, they're looking at release point data, spin rates, pitch movement data and velocity. Um, and that's why you're seeing even a guy like Nick Ahmed, who, you know, has always been a crappy hitter. He's always just been a defensive guy. You know, even he's hitting now, um, you know, Kettle Marte is hitting and, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, you got the humidor there. You may not see as much, um, you know, power from a lot of these guys, but I think you, you're going to find some batting average gems among these guys. And I think Owings is one, is one of them. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think he's a very intriguing piece. Had a good year last year. I don't think he's going to regress, but I don't think it's going to be anything too dramatic. So I definitely think he's worth a shot. Um, a guy like Ahmed Rosario, off to a great start, 429 Babbitt. He has zero stolen bases to start the year, which kind of concerns me because, you know, you look throughout his career, he's a 15 to 20 steal upside type guy. And you, you got him late, I think, with the intentions of getting those stolen bases. And, and he is available on a lot of waiver wires. So if you are shortstop needy, this could be a guy. Is Ahmed Rosario a guy you're looking at? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of throughout the spring, kind of, you know, some, you know, some weeks I liked, I, I liked him at the price. Sometimes I didn't, but uh, at the end of the day, I think it all comes down to, um, you know, where he is in the lineup, and unfortunately, just does not have as much value, uh, you know, hitting ninth. Um, you know, obviously Conforto coming back, I think, kind of affected that. You know, I don't think they really even have plans or have had plans for him to lead off quite yet. Um, you know, they even brought in Brandon Nemo was leading off there for a while before Conforto came back, and so. Um, yeah, and I just don't know if he's going to get as much opportunity to run from that spot. Um, but, I mean, you know, I think something like eight homers, you know, 24 RBI, I'm sorry, 24 RBIs, stolen bases, um, I think is reasonable. I think at some point you'll see him higher in the lineup. Um, but we want to see some sign of that. And, you know, we want we, we just want to see him get, get up there in the lineup, basically. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Car- St. Louis Cardinals, Paul DeYoung had a great year last year. He got paid this offseason. And he's off to a smoke and start hitting 295, 455 Babbitt, but a 227 ISO, 137 WRC plus. These are just insane numbers. Three homers already. Uh, many in the offseason were writing him off as no, there's no way. This is the next Letimus Diaz. What's your thoughts on uh, DeYoung for the rest of the season? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think this is one of the guys that I just avoided altogether, um, even though the price was good and the price actually kept dipping. And I just kind of avoided him. You know, you know, sometimes you just get stubborn on certain players and you're like, you know, I don't want a guy that basically has a 4% walk rate and, you know, you know, struck out 28% of the time. Um, but you're looking at, you know, 108 games, 25 home runs. The guy's got some pop and he looks good. And some guys just, you know, you know, beat out the their comps or, or, or beat out, you know, what their what their you know metrics or their rates are. And, uh, yeah, he's one of those guys that look good. Um, I do think the 285 average is fluky. Um the, the one from last year, I think it was really fueled by a 349 BABIP. Um, and you're looking at a 455 BABIP now. So, um, you know, I think you're, you're, you're basically looking this year at a 250, 260 hitter, but somebody that can hit you probably 25, 30 home runs. I like it. Uh, let's talk Miguel Sano. Off to, if you look at his stat line, is one of the more head scratching stat lines. Yeah, he's hitting 250 with a 462 BABIP, which is very concerning. Um, he has three homers, which is nice. He's striking out almost 50% of the time, uh-huh. which is obviously not good. Um, how do you approach a Sano? Do you, if, you're, if you're an owner, do you try to trade him? Or what are you doing with this guy? You know, is he, he, to me, 
has that sort of, you know, puigitis where he's so talented and so mentally just, you know, just a complete mental midget, just so like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, unstable and, and doesn't care. It's sloppy. It doesn't care, you know, you know, kind of uh, his approach to, to, you know, to the plate. He just knows he's a hacker. He knows he's got a ton of power and that's just what he's going to do. Um, you know, he is only what 24, he's turning 25 soon. And so, uh, you know, maybe he'll mature, maybe he won't, but you know, he is one of the few guys that can potentially hit you 40 home runs. I think 40 home runs is totally doable, probably come with like a 240 average. Uh, but as not, as long as you're not loaded up with a bunch of like, you know, Chris Davis's and Jay Bruce's on your team, you know, Todd, add Todd Frazier in the mix. And then you have him, you're pretty much giving up your batting average category in Roto. Um, but besides that, I think the power is massive and uh, he's a beast just needs to not be so lazy. Yeah, that's the, the lazy. That's the part there. It came in looking like a beached whale. And um, as a guy that's a Giants fan, I've seen this uh, best shape of your life turned into I'm fattening Pablo Sandoval. So <laughs> I completely understand how this can go downhill in a hurry. So that's my biggest concern of things. We saw the second half last year, things declined. And that's the only concern I have. Uh, Jonathan VR, a guy two years ago that had a career season. Everyone was on the bandwagon last year. And then he failed everyone that was on that bandwagon. Now you got more, you know, understandable draft slot this year, and he's coming out. He's already hitting 310, um, 419 batted, an ISO. This is an amazing ISO, Vlad. 0.024. Wow, that is devastatingly bad. <laughs> yeah. But he has two, he has two stolen bases. Is this a guy you're looking to get, or are you just wow? I don't know. I mean, this is a guy. I, you know, I, I, did you? You may have just mentioned it. He's got no walks on the year. Uh, yeah, zero percent walk rate. Zero percent walk rate. Yeah, I mean, this guy. See, players like that, you know, a team like you know, Council. They over the course of the season, like unless he gets really hot, it kind of repeats that twenty sixteen. Um, you know, he's going to just find other ways uh, to to kind of you know get that lineup in and get some of his his younger guys in. Um, but he's got to run like that. I mean, you know, you're never going to have a repeat season like that. I mean, just monster. You're looking back at like 19 homers, 90 plus RBI, 60 plus steals, just an absolute monster. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a very strong opinion on him. I just think he's kind of one of the, uh, you know, not as efficient players, um, in the league. And, and I think that affects things a bit. Yeah, you know it's bad when last year Eric Sogard is starting over you. So yeah. you need to, to reevaluate things maybe. Uh, with Jorge Polanco being out for 80 games with his PED suspension, Eduardo Escobar is getting a, a lot more playing time than he thought he was going to get initially. Hitting 290 is not bad. One homer, no steals, not much else to really write home about. Uh, but he does have a, a 258 ISO. So is this a guy um, – to just ignore or to maybe try to pick up for the time being. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, 15 teamer viable. The thing about Edward Escobar, he just feels to me like sometimes, I don't know. I mean, he, I think he's won almost everybody, somebody money in the last couple of years in DFS, yeah. there's just like one day it's like Escobar in third and two homers. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, we are part of that. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's, you know, switch hitter, old dude, 29 at this point, or as far as baseball is concerned. And, uh, you know, hit 20, you know, 21 homers last year in, a, in 129 games. And so, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it just depends kind of what's available on the waiver and what you're looking for. Um, but he's not going to really help you necessarily with batting average. I think he hit like 254, 236 the last couple of years. So, um, you know, um, I'm always looking at situations to kind of like buy low on. And that's why um, I think I'm going to kind of pay attention and see what's up with Colton Wong and uh, Devin Travis and see if those guys can actually turn their their stuff around. 
Okay, you keep mentioning these two, so let's talk about them a little bit. Colton Wong and Devin Travis. Colton Wong, I, I mentioned in the preseason when he started stealing like crazy in spring, that was a big like eye-opener for me. Like, I, we always talk about don't you know believe all your spring training stats, but when I see a trend change like that, a game change, that got my attention. Um, so basically, are you saying Colton Wong and Devin Travis are guys you're trying to acquire now, or are you just like on your watch list? Yeah, I guess kind of on my watch list. I did draft Wong in a couple spots. Travis is going to kind of just sit there on waivers. Um, you know, two years ago, before you know all the injury stuff, last you know last year, he was a pretty decent hitter and hitting in the top third of the lineup. And if he ever gets in a position to uh, lead off or hit second, um, you know, ahead of Donaldson and those guys, I think that could be very favorable for people. And I think there's going to be some point in the season, and we'll look back to this conversation where you're like, you know, damn, you know, we kind of missed, you know, either we were jumped on the Devin Travis train in time or we missed it but he just has failed to kind of gain his rhythm back uh from a couple years ago and so i think once he get his, gets his feet under him i think he'd be a, a decent asset and somebody that can help with batting average yeah no i, I don't mind that in that lineup like you said that ballpark there's a lot to like there uh, you mentioned dan Swanson earlier and he's been the topic of many conversations right now because you either love him or you hate him but he is off to a great start this year uh only a 260 average but he's walking almost 10 percent of the time uh, or no, I was walking 4% of the time. Sorry, I was looking at his projections. But he's one homer, one stolen base. He's hitting 348. There we go. I can't even read right now. But he's off to a really, really good start in that lineup that is the best in baseball or one of the best in baseball at the moment. Um, is this for real with Dansby, or is there a massive regression coming? Uh, he, I don't know about massive, but, I mean, he's not going to end up a, you know, he's not going to be a 320 hitter this year, I don't think. But, I mean – you think back, I mean, he's a number one overall pick has to be for a reason, right? Like, you exactly. know, I mean, highly talented and um, it, it's, it's just interesting. It's funny to see how last year worked out for him. Um, I think the majority of sharp uh, prospect guys, I think, kind of nailed it um, as far as I know. Um, we're just saying that, like, not to expect too much from him in his first season uh, offense wise. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he kind of fits in with that team really well. Um, I, I know that you can't tell him and Charlie Culberson apart, but that's a whole different story. Uh, yeah, he just kind of fits in. Uh, I'm looking to, I'm looking to buy. I'm, I'm down to jump in on the hype, and uh, I think you got a good little, good little uh, prospect here. Uh, just the 217 ISO that I'm seeing right now. I think that's the one part where you're looking at a guy probably closer to like 160, 170. Uh, but again, you never know. Baseball surprises us every week, every year. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I, I, I'm aboard the, the wagon, but I, I am very cautious at the same time. Yep. Um, Haley Ramirez, he got hurt tonight. Uh, they're saying it's just a bone bruise because he – it's a shame he started out the year just raking, hitting almost 360, two homers. For my know. bench. I just keep, keep trying to find a way to fit him in. I can't get him in. Just And now he's hurt. Shocker. But the craziest part about it, besides the homers, three stolen bases already. Hanley Ramirez – he was joking earlier in the season, I'm pretty sure, of saying he was going, I think it was 40-40, but even 20-20 would have been a, a joke to me. And he was on right on his way, only striking out 17% of the time. I think the stat I heard today, he's swinging at like 84% first strikes, which is, to me, wow. a great philosophy. Because that's usually – you'll see a lot more pitchers just groove those in than, than normal. Um, barring injury, of course, say he's healthy – what are you expecting from Hanley? I know you said you have him on your bench. At least you drafted him. What's your thoughts on him? I mean, if the bone bruise is fine, I mean, he's going to find a way to get injured several times in the year. But, uh, I mean, there's a reason why the Red Sox had him, you know, in the beginning of the year, they said this guy is hitting third. He's going to hit ahead of J.D. Martinez. Uh, and, you know, how can you get a better lineup spot? I think 
what affected people this year is looking and seeing utility only and uh, kind of being scared of that. But I mean, this is a guy going like 300th overall in most drafts who, if, you know, almost anyone knew that he was going to hit third in that lineup. So what, there was literally no downside in at least trying to take a guy like that. Uh, so, you know, I mean, we'll see. I think um, there'll be periods of time when he disappoints, but he's been, you know, I mean, if you look back at his career over the last 12, whatever years it's been, I mean, just he's the guy's like a professional hitter. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, when I heard in the preseason that he's going to be batting third in that lineup, it was hard to just ignore that. Like you said, around pick 300, it's pretty, pretty darn crazy. You have J.D. Martinez hitting behind you and Mookie Betts in front of you. There's a lot to like there. It's an auto draft, uh, essentially. You just pretty much, yeah. It's like, okay, corner infield, late. If I, for some reason, punted first base, yeah, sounds good. Um, let's talk about a couple rough guys here. Logan Morrison, you know, new squad coming off that monster 38 home run season last year. He's um, hitting a buck 90 or a buck 97 with no home runs in Minnesota, which people have proven is obviously freezing cold right now, but on the season will be a better park to hit in. Is Lomo a buy-low candidate for you? Not really, because he is just somebody that I just have a uh, – uh, just just somebody to have a grudge against for whatever reason. Like, you know, we you're not supposed those. to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's like we're not really supposed to have those in fantasy baseball. I mean, we're – you know, even though we're doing this for fun, it is, you know, our teams, especially if you're doing higher-stakes teams, kind of like approach it like a business. Like, you know, these guys are, you know, stocks, shares, whatever. And so I never liked Loma. I was shocked that he hit 38 home runs. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, the thing about that park is it has been a better home run park over the last couple of years than it had been in the past. Um, just looking at like park factors and stuff, but like, I don't know. I don't think he hits 30 home runs again. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to really help much in average. I mean, what he's averaged, you know, 240 over the last two seasons. So um, we'll see. Just somebody I'm, I'm basically going to be stubborn with and, and avoid. Okay. Let's talk about a guy, Jason Kipnis. Had an amazing spring training. Everyone was on the hype train. I had no shares of Jason Kipnis at all because I needed to believe it. He had a rough year last year, hit 232, 12 home runs, only 90 games. He's been pretty injury riddled uh, of late. And he's off to a buck 09 start with no homers. Are you jumping in on Kipnis or do you think, you know, eventually Mejia comes up and plays third and maybe Ramirez to second? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he's just somebody that seemed like too good of a, a, of a value as well. And that kind of becomes the problem is when you're looking later on, like, you know, after pick 250 or whatever, you see a guy like Kipnis who has had a couple of, you know, really, really solid seasons. Uh, and I, I know he was very DFS helpful last year too. There were, there were some, oh, yeah. some, some times when you got righties on the mound and, He's leading off, um, you know, was very, very helpful. Um, yeah, I just kind of chalk it up to a slow start. Um, I'm not really too worried about him. Um, you know, not enough of a sample. You know, 12 games really isn't anything. I don't see any reason to really give up on him. I think he's going to, uh, you know, I think he should probably easily out-earn his value as long as he doesn't get hurt. All right, let's talk about a new Philadelphia Philly, their first baseman, Carlos Santana. He's got two homers on the year. He's hitting a buck fifty, but the ISO is 225, which is pretty telling to how unlucky he is. Uh, the recent StatCast podcast, those guys broke him down that, you know, because it's been so cold, they did math. I think it's four to five feet for every degree temperature. So he's missing home runs literally by like six feet in a summer day. These are all gone. Yeah. Uh, he, he's obviously, to me, a buy-low guy. How do you approach Carlos Santana? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of, you know, hitting there in that sweet spot in the lineups, got a nice fun team around him with Hoskins and Kingery. I like Cesar Hernandez also. I like, I'm a big Al- Aaron Althair guy. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like that offense. I like that addition to the team. And so, I mean, this is a guy at a 240 ISO two seasons ago when he cranked out 34 home runs. Uh, he is hitting 150, and that's always going to be the uh, concern with him. Kind of a better fit in like OBP leagues because the guy's always, you know, 14, 15, 16% walk rate, which is really, really good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's a good price for where he goes. And, and, you know, I think it pretty much just like earn what he gets and, you know, maybe hit you 25, 32 home runs. Yeah, before the season, he was one of the most consistent hitters in all of baseball. Literally, he was the back of a baseball card guy. He, year in and year out, same amount of homers, average or similar. Everything was just – that was what Carlos Santana did for you. Um, let's talk Matt Carpenter. You're talking about guys dropping in drafts like Hanley and Kipnis. Carpenter, compared to years past, you got him much, much later this year. So there seemed to be a lot more talk about him after a couple of rough years that maybe he'd bounce back because, you know, the averages was coming down, but he's still hitting 20-plus homers hit in the middle of the lineup that now have Marcelo Zuna and Jose Martinez, who I know you love. So there, there's a lot to like there, but he's off to a slow start hitting a buck 75. Again, he's got a buck 75 ISO, not great, but not horrible. Two home runs yet. And those have come real recently. So maybe he's figuring it out. Um, as Carpenter a guy you're looking at. Yeah. He's kind of had an interesting career. Um, I got sucked in last year, uh, ended up with some shares on some important teams because I was, enamored by the second base third base like he had like three position yeah. eligibility and i'm like ah, i can move him all over the place but he's just a guy that um if, if his back is healthy and i think he i don't know if it's a chronic back thing but there's something and, and something there it keeps creeping up and i think that's the main problem i think it affects his power um you know really keeping him from what he could have potentially had a 30 home run season um had he been healthy uh in a last you know each of the last two years he only missed like 15 games last year missed 30 the, the season before but but, you know, played hurt um, some of that time. And so, I mean, I mean, you're looking at a guy with a, you know, obviously just a 12-game sample, 21% walk rate this year, 17% last year. Um, that's really good. Um, he's going to have value this year, especially hitting third in that lineup, you know, being a lefty bat. Uh, so I didn't really get many shares this year. Um, I would have liked to have some. Um, the only thing I ever worry about with Matt Carpenter is uh, his back and the batting average. Yeah, and you might get second base and or third base with him pretty soon again. So that's something to keep in mind. Now, you know, in a, a, a an imaginary world, if you're trading and the value is right, would you rather have Carlos Santana or Matt Carpenter? Ooh, that's a very good good one. I'd probably go Santana only because he's had a healthy career and because I'm not worried about the back. No, that's very, very fair kind of – where I was leaning with that one. Um, let's talk Stephen Piscotty. He, you know, everyone knows the feel-good story about coming to Oakland to be with his mom. And the, both teams made made good with that. That was really awesome what they did there. But, you know, he hasn't really got off to the start you're hoping for. We know in his career he could hit lefties really well and kind of a crowded outfield in Oakland. Um, do you, what, what are you thinking for Piscotty? He's hitting 209 right now and only walking 8% of the time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um... I, you know, he had that big season, which was basically his first full year. I know he's a rookie in 2015, played about 60 games or so. That 2016 season was huge with the Cardinals, just fit right in, uh, you know, had basically 85 runs and 85 ribbies, uh, a few steals. Um, but, yeah, he'll get it going at some point. He's, he's, he's pretty much a jag, you know. He's like just a guy to me. Um, you know, I, I think there was a part 
part of the time in February where like, ah, I'm just going to just get all the biscotti shares and just kind of dug into him more. And, and I just don't know if he's going to be anything ever that amazing. No, I'm with you there. Let's talk about a few pitchers before we wrap it up. Um, Trevor Williams of the Pittsburgh Pirates, a guy that most people probably wanted nothing to do with, and rightfully so. And he's not flashy by any means, but he picked up another six solid innings against the Cubs today. He's 3-0 to start the year. If you like wins or not, that's a different debate. But um, a 1-5-6 ERA, but the FIP is 3-8-6 and an XFIP of 4-6-1 and a K per nine of 5.19. Is this a guy you're looking to go grab, or do you think there's a massive regression coming in his direction? Yeah, I mean, you know, two starts I'm looking at, not a yeah, and I guess the third start today kind of changes things a little bit with the with the numbers, but yeah, I mean, a huge discrepancy in XFIP and ERA, uh, which isn't the end all be all, but it's something. Um, and you know, some luck with you know with strand rate, I believe, early on. Uh, but yeah, like you know, whatever, very low K per nine. Um, the I think kind of the best thing about him is he's just really good on Twitter. I think besides that, I don't know if he's somebody that I'm, you know, he's somebody that might kind of suck you in. You never know with Pittsburgh Pirate pitchers because Ray Searage is, you know, the pitching wizard. But there's also a lot of guys he hasn't been able to turn around. And so um, we'll see. I just don't know if necessarily Trevor Williams is going to be anything that spectacular. Might have a few good starts and then people drop him in 15 teamers. Let's talk Marco Estrada, who... Everybody wants to be great. He had a rocky 2017 after back-to-back good years in 15 and 16. And, you know, he, he's off to a, a rush start already, a 4-2-4 ERA, and his FIP and XFIP are, you know, 4-9 and 4-8, so pretty pretty darn close. Um, he's always been more of a fly ball than a ground ball guy. But uh, is he a guy you think uh, will come with the bounce back, or are we just – it's too – he's gone, basically. <laughs> Yeah. So the thing is, I mean, he's uh, he's about to be 35 years old, which, you know, isn't, you know, which most would never think of when they saw. (laughs) Yeah. And he pitches in Toronto, pitches in the AL East, which already, you know, is a little bit of a strike against him. Uh, Pitches uh, in that in that, uh, you know, very hitter friendly ballpark in Toronto. Uh, I believe he's dealing with some sort of back issues last I saw. And he had a five ERA last year and he's a fly by guy. And so to me, I think those are all kind of enough signs to like. Just avoid, you know, if I do have them, I'm in a trade league and I get a couple of good starts out of them, I'd ship them out right away. All right. If I told you that there's a guy available with a K rate, a K per nine below six, a hundred percent left on base rate, an ERA of zero with a fifth of 305 and an X fifth of 460, would you be interested in him? Uh, kind of a trick question because I kind of would need to know the name. <laughs> Jacob Junis. Jacob the Junis. Yeah. Ah, interesting. And some nice numbers. Yeah. Any desire for him? Uh, yeah, I mean, I sorry. Yeah, I bid on him in a 12-teamer but uh, where he was available. But you know how pitching goes, just like hotcakes. And he got scooped up. Like, I put in, like, an $80 bid uh, as my top pitcher, pitching option, and he went up for, like, 250 And so it's crazy. There's just some prices I'm not going to pay. Um but he's a nice, solid uh, ratio guy, I think. Um, not going to get a lot of wins, I think, on that team. Wins, of course, are fluky. Never know what's going to happen. Um, but, you know, kind of strikes are against him there as far as the wins are concerned. And maybe a little bit out of his mind right now with the K rate. Um, what was the K rate again? Uh, below 6 per 9. Oh, it's below 6-9. Okay. Yeah, I thought he was kind of above on the K rate. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I like him. I think he's a, he's a decent 12-team ad, and you just kind of stream him, you know, see who he's up against, and, you know, there will probably come a time where he kind of, you know, bites you in the ass. 
Uh, Ronaldo Lopez of the White Sox, I was turned on to him in a big way because I, I, I was hesitant at first. Then Jason Collette was talking about his new pitch that he's working on, and it's working out well. He has a 23% K rate so far in the year, and you know uh, an ERA of 0.69, but a, the FIP and XFIP do worry me at four and four five three. Um, are you concerned at all with Ronaldo Lopez, or are you buying into this new look Lopez? Yeah, well, one of my favorite young pitchers. Um, I think is a pretty awesome prospect when he was the national with the Nationals. Um, and uh, yeah, he's just part of this youth movement with uh, you know with Kopik and uh, you know probably Carson Fulmer. Who knows? You know, jury's still out if he's any good. But um, I like Ronaldo Lopez. Um, again, you know, f- uh, a little bit lucky. Uh, you know, 0.69 ERA with a 4.53 xFIP. Um, you know, again, it's just two games, so uh, nothing we can really go go from off of that. Um, the main concern is just the walk. It's just the walk rate. This is a dude that is going to walk people. He's going to whip you, and uh, people need to be careful with that. And so. You know, people that have spent a ton of money on him, get ready because uh, he, he's good, but it's going to be an up and down year for him. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I'll wrap it up there. We could talk for a long time on these guys. But um, one last thing I want to ask you, uh, being the experienced high dollar player you are in your NFBCs and all that stuff. And I, I've talked to Matt Modica about it quite a bit. And you guys are partners on a team and some other deals. What's now that the draft process is done, and that was a big laborious process for you to do all that stuff. How do you attack the week to week without giving away all your, your secrets? Oh, you mean you, the question was what, how was the, the, the draft process? Well, how, how, how do you attack like the week to week now? As uh, do you, when you go about looking into fab and you know, spending your money, do you just wait till like Friday night, Saturday night, or are you uh, doing stuff throughout the week? Yeah, I mean, it, this last few weeks have been a little insane time wise. I think uh, for the rest of the season, I'm gonna have a lot more you know, time to really kind of dedicate and look at baseball, but, um, I'll always kind of look, I'll take a glance midweek to see what type of guys are available and, uh, just get kind of in my head, sort of figure out, um, you know, just kind of make little lists. And then I think there's really not a lot that I can do until Sunday because, you know, injuries happen or people get called up and, you know, obviously April 13th is coming up this weekend and, uh, you know, a lot of pieces in play. So, you know, it's a seven o'clock Pacific time deadline, um, a lot of times I have that like three to 7 PM block, you know, kind of separated or like, you know, kind of blocked out. Cause I've got my eight teams I got to work on and just grind, you know, just, you know, shoot some messages over to Matt or, or Rob and kind of sort of figure out what we're doing and, uh, you know, try to stay one step ahead of everybody else. Well, I like it. Um, everybody check him out on Twitter at Roto gut. Um, the name speaks for itself. He, he shoots from the gut quite a bit. And I like that. I respect that because that's how I do most of mine. I'm the last couple of years is when I finally started, looking into more the analytical side of thing. I've always been more of just a feel kind of guy. And that's how I've done things. And uh, check out his work on guruelite.com. Um, Vlad, appreciate it, man. Good times. Thank you, Bubba. Thanks for having me, bro. All right, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 86 in the books. Catch you guys next time.